Hey, welcome to the C3 Auckland podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, head to c3church.org.nz. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning. Has anyone ever said something to you that's planted doubt in your mind and perhaps even led you to believe something that's not true? You know, uh, when I was a kid, I used to take piano lessons. I played at a pretty basic level for probably a couple of years and, you know, it was fun. I didn't necessarily have any plans to become a keys master like a good friend, Ben, uh, but I enjoyed it. And I remember one time someone completely innocently and non-maliciously observing that because I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't have very long fingers, I would have trouble being a good piano player in the future. I know, right? I mean, I don't even know that they were that short. But anyway, from their end, it was in no way intended to hurt my feelings. It was a throwaway comment, and I'm sure they never thought of anything of it again. But, you know, what happened on my side was I allowed this tiny little thought of doubt to be planted in my mind, which sat there for a couple of weeks. And, you know, I still practiced and played, but every time I did, I I would think to myself, what am I doing this for? My fingers are too short. So why bother spending all this time practicing to become an average at best keyboard player? You know, so that was that. I told my parents, I'm done with learning piano. And uh, that very short chapter of my life came to a close and we'll never know how things could have eventuated instead. You know, last week we heard a couple of great messages from Pastor Dean and Bessie challenging us to think about which voices we are choosing to listen to. You know, people say stuff all the time, encouraging, life-giving stuff, negative, destructive stuff, and different stuff, words that are true and sound true, words that are true that sound false, you know, words that are false that sound false, and words that are false and sound true. One of the things that we need to get really good at doing is figuring out what's true and what's not. Now, it's probably true that, you know, my friend Alistair Wood has fingers more suited to playing a piano than I do. That's okay. I'm fine with that. What's probably not true is that having shorter fingers was actually, in fact, going to stop me from being an excellent piano player if I did put the effort in. The thing is, though, nobody else ever said that I'd be an average piano player. That was just an untrue thought that slipped into my mind while I was trying to reconcile a future with non-piano playing fingers. An untrue thought that I chose to accept into my mind and then promptly watered down, uh, watered and nurtured, letting it grow to the point where that untruth kept me from continuing to develop that skill, ultimately letting it uh, drop out of my future. And the point of the story is not so that you would feel uh, sorry for my resulting non-musical ability, but I think it's a nice little illustration of how believing a lie can have an impact on your future. Not every lie that we believe comes from the negative voices of others. As we get into the Word this morning, I want to invite you to think about what thoughts you're believing about yourself and how those thoughts are perhaps shaping your future, particularly in the way in which you see who you are in Christ, your purpose in the world, your impact on the lives of others and your faith in God. But, you know, before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we we thank You that Your great plan for our lives and our futures is continuing to unfold in us today as we gather online. Lord Jesus, we we know that as we open your word, you are reaffirming our identity in you, shaping our lives into the future that you created us for. Holy Spirit, we know that you're here as as Scripture promises us, and so we welcome you to move in us, showing us the truth, bringing your incredible love, presence, and peace into our homes or wherever it is we're watching from today. We honour you, love you, and praise you. Great God, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, in chapter 10 of a second letter to the Corinthian church, the Apostle Paul is having to respond to some charges or accusations, I suppose you could say, that have been aimed at his character, leadership, and communication style, intending to undermine his authority. 
In this case, these are the voices of others overtly attacking not only his credibility to speak into the Corinthian church, but his life's mission. They were using the cultural expectations for a leader and orator to attempt to undermine Paul's identity and his purpose in order to gain control of the Corinthian church for themselves. There will always be outside voices with outside agendas that want to undermine our identity and purpose. As we heard last week, we can't just accept everything that people have to say to us. Paul, though, isn't someone who strikes us as caring too much about the opinions of others. He's also fairly secure in his faith in God, but he still has to process, like we all have to do, um, the words of those outside voices. uh, and, And he has to process the internal ones as well that eventuate from them, what's true and what isn't. I'm sure many of us watching this morning have found ourselves in a similar position. You you may be able to identify what's true and what's false when others have something to say about you or against you. But what do you do with those thoughts that didn't come from somebody else? How do we guard ourselves from believing thoughts that simply aren't true? Well, fortunately, Paul gives us a little insight uh, as to how he deals with what's going on in the battleground of the mind. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 1 to 5. Let's read it together. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face uh, with you, but bold towards you when I am away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets stuff up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, most of the Corinthian church recognised Paul's authority to teach them and correct them if necessary. This is his second letter to them and we can tell from chapter seven that they responded well to the one that he wrote earlier. But there are still some influential voices in Corinth that were telling the people, don't worry about Paul. He knows, he knows how to write a convincing letter, sure, but in person, he's average at best. And you know, in Greek culture, to be seen as credible, it was essential that you were an effective communicator. So to discredit Paul in this way would allow these teachers uh, based in Corinth to get away with saying things to the church that Paul wouldn't say and teaching things that Paul wouldn't teach because in the eyes of the people, his words would carry no value. I'm sure we all uh, know a keyboard warrior or two. If you've not heard this term before, this is a person who is lovely and polite uh, when you're in person. And then when you're on Facebook, man, watch out, big opinions, bold statements. Is this even the same guy? And that's literally what these teachers are accusing Paul of being. All talk in his letters, no backbone when it comes uh, down to being face to face. He's also uh, been accused of having worldly motives in his dealings with the church. Bit of a kick in the guts though after all that he's done. This is the the great apostle Paul who's given his life in service to the gospel. This is a guy uh, who, as he later recounts in, in chapter 11 of this letter, has been beaten, had stones thrown at him, been shipwrecked, been whipped, been thrown in prison, been starving, has had all of his possessions taken from him and a whole lot more in service to the same Jesus that his accusers claim to follow. And here he is charged with being a self-serving weakling. Can you imagine for a second the thoughts going through Paul's mind as he's hearing their words and crafting his response? He very clearly assures his readers that he would never write anything, no matter how direct, that he isn't prepared to say to their face. And although he would prefer not to be as bold as he could be with them in person, he will if necessary. But they have to understand where this boldness eventuates from. And this is the important part for us to catch here today because it impacts on how we process uh, our thought life. Verse three says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Paul has not been direct just for the sake of it. He has spent his Christian life engaging in and training his mind 
in a particular kind of warfare strategy. Sarks is the word used for world in the NIV in verse three and is also translated flesh or human nature. Um, you know, humanity apart from divine influence under the effects of sin and opposed to God. Even though we are humans living in a world organising itself without God with a whole variety of things we could believe about God, ourselves, others, our purpose, if we claim to know Jesus, we think differently and we operate differently. Paul uses military imagery because it's an illustration that works for people living in first century Rome with soldiers walking down every main street. But he also uses it because every Christian must realise that we are in fact in a war. But it's not the kind of war that we read about in the history books or see in documentaries. We aren't uh, to do battle like the world does, human against human to gain control, power, money or influence. As he clearly spells out when he's writing to the Ephesian church in chapter six, our war is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. The battleground is in the mind. These spiritual forces at work in our world speak the language of deceit, destroying people's lives by confusing their identities, inciting hatred, racism, self-centered living, greed, lust, the ideology that says, I must have what I want even if it hurts others. These are the forces planting thoughts and minds that shouldn't be there and encouraging uh, the right conditions for growth where those thoughts can then sprout into schemes, into belief systems and into actions that ultimately destroy people's futures as they believe lie after lie about who they are and what their life's purpose is. Verse four says, the weapons we fight with though are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. I love that. Ephesians 6 shows us the weapons Christians fight with, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, sword of the spirit. The weapons of the world Paul's referring to are not specifically swords, spears, cannons or guns. They were instead the commonplace oratory tools used by Greek society and many other cultures across the planet throughout the ages, including our own. They were the weapons the Corinthian church saw in their culture and they admired, leading them to choose to use them for their Christian battle rather than what they had access to from God. Instead of truth, they fought with manipulation. Instead of righteousness, they applied the image of success. Instead of the gospel, they used smooth words and cleverly crafted rhetoric. Instead of faith, they fought with the perception of power. Instead of salvation, they lauded authority over others. And instead of the spirit, they fought using cleverly devised human schemes, initiatives and structures. Where does this kind of response start? With a thought that's allowed to grow. I think many of us could probably agree that uh, the last two months have perhaps revealed areas in our Christian lives where we've been a little too reliant on the weapons of the world to get a breakthrough in our lives. You know, when life is fairly straightforward, it's, it's not too difficult to, to coast through relying on a Sunday service and our own skills and instincts to get through week to week. Take away all the predictable structure. What are we left with to fight against the strongholds that try to occupy our thinking? You know, make no mistake, Paul is writing this letter to Christians. Strongholds can very much exist in Christian minds and establish themselves when we allow a thought that's not true to take root and then give it the nourishment and reinforcement that it needs. And generally fear is the primary builder. Once the walls are built and the drawbridge is up, doesn't matter how far-fetched the lie is you believe and you can be sure that it won't come down easy. And many people believe a lie and they spend their evenings on Instagram reinforcing it. You know, take body image, for example. That's something we can relate to. You know, you get up, you look at yourself in the mirror uh, in the morning and you're not happy with what you see. 
So instead of thinking, oh, you know, I should probably sign up to a German, get back into a better eating routine, little thought pops into your head. Look at you. Just a small thought, but it doesn't go away. You find yourself scrolling through your, your Instagram feed and every time you see a photo of someone who in your mind has the perfect body, the thought develops into, man, look at them, look at you. You start comparing all these people that seem to have the perfect body, the perfect life, and it just makes you more and more depressed about yours. Before you know it, your identity becomes tied up not in who God says you are, but in what you think you should look like. Or it could be career or success. You know, you lost a role that you, you wanted to somebody else and this little thought pops into your mind. What did I do wrong? You spend your time throwing, uh, scrolling through uh, positions, looking at positions, salaries, companies you wanted to work for. Pretty soon it goes from what did I do wrong to what's wrong with me? But instead of making the necessary changes, the lie drives you to constant comparison, bitterness, resentment, and the thought of somebody else succeeding in place of you uh, brings up all of that pain again. Instead of trying to discover the purpose for which God created you, you do anything for um, perceived success, respect, and recognition. Now, I'm sure we all understand this, and it may not be those two specific examples that we've had to deal with, but we've all had thoughts randomly pop into our minds, and we're like, where did that come from? It's what we do then that matters. If we choose to accept that lie, then the foundations for that stronghold are laid. The weapons of Ephesians 6 are mighty in power and give us everything we need to demolish the strongholds that the enemy sets up. The world doesn't appreciate the weapons that we fight with, humility, gentleness, servanthood, mercy, faith. They're not seen as desirable attributes, but think about Jesus. You can read about it in Philippians 2, 6 to 12. If we had to rely on the weapons of Ephesians 6 though, that requires faith from our ends. These weapons might be scorned by the world, but they terrify demonic powers because they know it's through them by which they are defeated through Christ. Verse five says, we demolish argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In our final moments together, I wanna leave us with three keys to help us deal with the thoughts that are false but sound true and prevent them from becoming reinforced strongholds. And three keys that help us identify and pull down strongholds that we might inadvertently allow to be constructed in our minds. So dealing with untrue thoughts. You know, in my house, our neighbours have a privet tree and the, the darn thing just spreads seeds all through my garden. I find these little seedlings everywhere. It frustrates me. If I don't stay on top of them, they'll turn into like a tree. Um, sometimes I find like a plant, a, a metre high, hidden behind a bush that's been quietly growing for a couple of years. And it's like more of a mission to dig it out. Um, the first thing that I wanted to say is that we've got to take every thought captive. That's my first point. For Paul's application is towards the carnal, worldly thinking of the Corinthian Christians that make them despise Paul and his weakness, doubting his apostolic credentials. But Paul's principle has a much broader application. You know, uh, we don't need to be helpless victims or recipients of our thoughts. We've got to make space to become familiar with the voice of God so we can identify what's not truth. I'm sure you've all heard it said before that bankers can spot counterfeit notes because they have the real thing in front of them all the time. Ask the Lord to show you, you know, what lies you might be believing. You could try writing down uh, on paper what comes to mind. Seek His Word. Are there any untrue thoughts hidden behind half-truths or fine-sounding arguments? If we're prepared to look, the Word of God and the Spirit of God can reveal things hidden away. Once you've identified any untrue thoughts, make them obedient to Christ. That's an act of choice to submit that thought, to know uh, it's not true and repent, asking Him to reveal the truth to you about that particular issue. Again, go to the Word. Seedlings are far easier to uproot than established plants. 
So don't just think about it for another day, just do it now. Romans 12 verse two says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. Secondly, know how to use your weapons. An effective warrior needs to know how to use what's in his hands. There's no point giving somebody a command of an aircraft carrier if they can't even remember to put the bung in before launching their powerboat. So make it your mission to seek the truth in every situation. Understand uh, clearly and you know, communicate the gospel well. Stand with confidence on your salvation. Live a life of righteousness. And what that means is when you're presented with an opportunity to do something your conscience is telling you to avoid, make the right choice. Live in the Spirit. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in worship. Spend time in prayer. Engage in your church community. You know, when you actively practice using the weapons that God has given you, you'll not only become good at using them, you'll start to enjoy using them and you'll find it a lot easier to identify untrue thoughts. Thirdly, get the right perspective. Talk to your connect group leader and get their perspective on a situation. If you've got, uh, you know, so often we wrestle with our thoughts and we're too afraid to say what's going on because we think people will look down on us or judge us. But God places us in community for a reason. God has put people in your life that through their own experiences and years following Jesus can help you identify any lies or negative self-talk that you've gotten into the habit of doing. When we build authentic, Christ-centered relationships where we can find trust and be honest, not only does our own spiritual health get stronger, we are more effective in using the weapons that God gave us to help others. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Proverbs 27, 17, great truth there. When it comes to demolishing strongholds, um, you know, if... If I don't do the above and deal with untrue, uh, deal with untrue thoughts early on, we end up um, thoughts that develop into ideas, that develop into opinions, they develop into belief systems. And if we're not careful, uh, eventually what takes place is they, they take over our, um, our lives and ruin them. And it's to be expected that strongholds are common in people that would not consider themselves uh, Christians who, you know, thinking has been shaped by the world. If you remember that word sarks, the human will apart from and opposed to God, but Paul's letter to the Christians uh, is talking about the implications, you know, that, um, you know, if, if, the un, the, um, if, if Christians aren't careful, they can let these untrue thoughts turn into strongholds and begin to take the place of Christ. Pretension means high opinion or high place. And this was the problem for ancient Israel. They claimed to worship God, but when they left the high places up continually, it opened the door for them to slip back into idolatry. They ended up trusting in the belief systems of the ancient world around them rather than the truth of God's Word. And if we want to be able to live a full and free life, to live as God designed for us, the high places in our lives, the arguments, the lofty opinions, we have um, you know, heard about ourselves in the world, the strongholds that set themselves up in the place of Christ. These things need to come down. So how do we demolish a stronghold? Well, logic will tell us that it's a lot easier to get rid of it before it's built. The longer we... Uh, let it grow, the more difficult it is to dislodge, but nothing's impossible. The Romans were pretty good at demolishing strongholds. There were no fortress that could hold out against them. We see in, uh, in Paul's home region, Sicilia, even the great uh, fortress of Masada eventually fell. And how did the Romans do it? Well, there's a few things. They, they cut off supplies to sustain its life. They cut off water, food. They built ramps up to breach the walls or they undermined the foundations. If you've identified a stronghold in your thinking, what are you gonna do about it? First thing you have to do is cut off the things that are sustaining it. So there are some people you've got to stop spending time with, some voices you've got to stop listening to. There are some patterns of thinking you've got to um, figure out how to change in your life. 
There are some articles, some books, some blogs you've got to stop reading, YouTube videos you've got to stop watching, websites you've got to stop visiting. Maybe you need to delete your Facebook or Instagram account altogether. Whatever it is, cut it off. You've got to deal to that stuff. Secondly, you've got to build up ramps to the walls. You know, it takes effort and discipline, but you've got to start building habits in your life that are going to enable a kingdom way of thinking to get over the walls and invade. It won't be easy. It might take some time, but it's the only way to bring them down. You've got to speak scripture over your life. You know, go to cleansing streams. You know, get professional help. Talk to a Christian counsellor if you need to. If you're not sure of what to do or where a good one is, ask your connect group leader or your pastor. Um, you know, they'll be able to help you out with that. Thirdly, you've got to undermine the foundations. Ultimately, if you want the thing to be completely destroyed, you need to undo the very foundations. There's lots of things that we can do, but ultimately Jesus is the one who will bring freedom by His Spirit. Get yourself in His presence as often as you can and submit yourself to Him. The more you do that, the more the foundations of these belief systems will be eroded away. Church, Paul gave us a good reminder in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians 10, that we are human beings with the same weaknesses living in a world of human beings with a variety of thoughts, ideas, belief systems, ideologies floating around that we have to navigate with. Jesus didn't come so that we could have another option to be added to the diverse pluralism of our world. He, he came to confront the man-made systems of, of thought inspired by darkness, which although contain glimmers of truth, ultimately turn people away from knowing the true and living God rather than towards Him. We all have thoughts pop into our minds from time to time that aren't true. Thoughts that, you know, even seem um, like they may be, you know, but what are we going to do about them? We all at some point or another have to deal with strongholds that we didn't know were there. But what are we going to do about them? A good place to start is to simply and quietly ask God. Why don't you take a moment to do that right now? If you feel like there's, there's something there, ask Him to show you more. Search His Word, write it down. You know, talk to someone if you have to, but deal with it now before it gets any bigger. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like to know more about our church or to find out what's coming up, check out c3church.org.nz.